And the church said? Amen. Man, I will tell you, you, you guys sound awesome out there. And that new song, just sing it again and again. In need, because we're always in need. Amen? Amen? Beautiful. What a blessing. What a wonderful time to be able to come together and just worship God. Isn't that just so... I just love that singing. It's just that worship. It's our time of praising God together. You know, we all have different voices, and, you know, we, we have this group up here that sings and kind of leads us. Join in. And, and just sometimes this is what I have to do. I stand in the back a lot, and you see me pacing around because I get a little jittery before I speak and all those things. And um, I was up about 4 o'clock this morning ready to preach, so, um, but nobody was here, so I waited. Um, <laughs> But sometimes I, I stand in the back and I just, I don't sing. I just listen. May God be praised in what we praise Him with, our voices. Mm-hmm. You, you sounded great today. Thank you so much. Thank you, Kyle. Oh, one, one other quick one that I just want to announce that I think is just awesome, and since we're going to be talking about some encouragement today as well, but... Uh, Zach Duma has uh, received a job in preaching in the Oklahoma City area, and we're excited about that for him and for the Foon family, of course. Tins here, I know they're very proud of him, so that's good. And we pray God's blessing on him, praying for him early this morning, that God would bless him with a, uh, a wonderful ministry, humble heart, and, and that process of delivering God's word, because it is a privilege to do so. Well, a preacher... A preacher got a little bit carried away, and no, I'm not talking about me, but a preacher got a little bit carried away, uh, and he began to speak, as he was speaking, and he spoke for over two hours, and it looked as though he was not going to let up whatsoever. And so one of the young members, he got up to leave, and the preacher said, young man, where are you going? He said, I'm going to get a haircut. He said, well, young man, why didn't you get your haircut before you came to church? He said, I didn't need one then. I thought that was kind of cute. Anyway, uh, hopefully it won't be that long. I'm going to keep you an hour and 48 minutes left. All right, but here goes. I hope that you deal with people. I don't know how you deal with people. And some people are really good at it and others aren't very good at it. And you probably know, don't you? And those that are closest to you, you know exactly how they deal with people. And sometimes we get a little bit sideways in all of those things of our lives. But I hope you're more gracious maybe than this kid getting a haircut. But nonetheless... You ever take one of these long trips, and let's just say it was with family, because normally it is, or you have to know the group pretty good. And you're going on this long trip. Let's say you're going to uh, Washington State, so it's going to be a lot of riding in the car. And there's several of you in the car. You ever get going down there, and it's just things get a little bit crossways, things get a little bit out of kilter, a little testy. Any, anybody been in that situation? You can just almost cut it with a knife, they say, Right? Well, as Christians, we also have to be reminded often that we too are on this journey. And it is a long journey in that process. And sometimes we can get a little touchy, a little testy, a little those things that go a little bit array in our lives as we go along. But one of the things we have to be reminded of constantly, as a a, a good parent would tell their children, you have to get along. You have to learn to get along. There's a process of doing that. Come on, you got to get along with your brothers and sisters. Anybody ever tell that to your si- or, or children? Anybody besides us? You have to learn to get along. And I know, but I just... Well, you, 
God has given us a way to be able to do that on our journey as we are brothers and sisters in Christ. And so in this process, what I want to do today is I want to take, this is from a, a guy by the name, is, his name is Brian Bill, two first names, but Brian Bill. And he, in his writings, he gives a list of fundamentals for Christians. And in one section of his writing there, it talks about, I think, about 25 different fundamentals, and they're really, really good. And what I would like to do is, and what I've done, is pulled out a few of those today. And I wanted to just put my touch on that, if you will, as we kind of work through this, my input. So let's look at Romans, and I thought we'd go to the book of Romans because it really lays out a stage there for us in the first five verses of the book of Romans, chapter 15. Now, the first verse, of course, we who are strong ought to bear with failings of the weak and not please ourselves. Now, a good minister could just preach on that particular verse itself because it's a powerful verse for those of us that feel as though we're strong but dealing with the failures of those that are weak in that process. A little background here, if you will, just to kind of set the stage. The church at Rome. The church is being addressed by Paul, and he establishes the church there at Rome, but you have to know that they're going through some transition periods of their stages of being a, a church, if you will. And this is the early church, or this is the time in which this church has not been established very long, and so they're dealing with multiple levels of people, of course. And in that, they're, first of all, they're dealing with the law the old law and how that was to bring that over. And it was really a difficult thing for them to go from the law of do this and don't do this to the grace thing that was under, introduced through Jesus Christ and Him dying on the cross for us. And so he begins to explain that through the book of Romans. And here in 15, he gives us some insight as well, what we're to do. Well, they also were dealing with something, or let me back up. The adjustment that they were trying to make, I was trying to see a comparison of things that we deal with, because it's easy for us, we're on this side of the cross, it's been in our country from the, the onset, and so we think and take it for granted. Any of you in high school or during school years, when they changed over to the metric system, anybody out there? Now, I don't know, for some of you, some of you it may have been very easy. For me, <laughs> it's not very easy. And so there was a transition there, and I never did get it. Well, some people at Rome, and not trying to compare the two, but showing how the adjustments that you would have to make, if you remember those times, they were making this adjust, adjust, adjustment from the law to the grace thing. And it was a big deal there. But they were also dealing with something else there in this early church that you and I and all generations from then and even will be in the future that deal with, and that is they were dealing with each other. Dealing with different backgrounds, different likes and dislikes, different kinds of things through their lives. And they were dealing with that. No matter where you go, there you are. And no matter where you go, other people are there. And in that process, we can get a little sideways with people, if you will, and we go through, no matter what happens, the weaker uh, people are going to be among us. Now, some people think they're strong, but they're the actual weak ones. Everybody wants to think that they're strong, but actually you can be weak even though you think you're strong. But dealing with people that are weaker than yourself, spiritually speaking, can take adjustments. 
And often when you put the weaker and the stronger together, they get a little sideways or they rub each other, what we say, a little irritated with each other, or rub each other the wrong way. Anybody in church rub you the wrong way beside the minister? Huh? Yeah, it happens in the body of Christ. Surely it does. Keep in mind, though, as we said this, it was not only the case with Rome, it is the case in the body of Christ as a whole even today. Now keep in mind this. The person who rubs you the wrong way may not be sinning against you. You might think they are, and perhaps they are, but it doesn't mean because they irritate you that they're sinning against you. Do you realize that? Some people read that wrong. Now, this is the important part. For those that rub us the wrong way, they may not be sinning against us, but we have to be careful that we're not sinning against them with our motives, our actions that we follow through with our attitudes because we certainly can sin against them even in the process thinking that we are the stronger of the two. So the first thing he lists here, one of the first ones that I pulled out was that you have to learn to put up. It is to put up with things. There's, there's something that we have to learn to do in our lives is to put up with each other. Give me an amen. In verse number 1, it says, We who are strong ought to bear with the failings of the weak and not to please ourselves. The thing we have to remember in this, and keep in mind, because all through Scripture it teaches that, is that people fail. And I am one. And I have failed. Anybody else? So it should not surprise us that we're going to have those that are weak among us and those people that fail from time to time. The key to this particular part, I believe, is in the last part of that verse, which it simply says, and not to please ourselves. Why do I say that? It is because the very nature of man is to always put themselves first. It's always to strive to be in first place. That's our nature. We strive for to be first place. But when we become a child of God, God tells us that we are to lunge for the last place. And to be a servant of all, just as he was a servant of all and a servant to us as well. So the question in all that becomes, do you get more enjoyment out of pleasing yourself or making someone else's day? How do you do with that? Is it all about me when I look in the mirror? What can I do for me today? And not looking and asking God, what can you do for me today, God? I need this today, God. I want this today, God. I've got to have this today, God. Or is it that God put on my heart today to meet the needs of someone because I'm sure today someone is going to come into my life that needs something of yours? Being that vessel, that servant that God has called us to be. Jesus addressed this kind of in this way in Matthew chapter, uh, chapter 20. I won't read it. Go ahead and post it there. Like you have. And, and in this, he talks about this. Uh, let, me, let me just give you a fast paraphrase. There's a farmer that needed some work done. So he goes out and gets a group of people and says, I'll pay you $20 to work for me today. Good deal. At noon, he realizes they're not going to get near done. And so he goes out and gets another group of people and says, would you work the rest of the day for $20? Yes, we will. At 3 o'clock, 5 o'clock's closing times, 3 o'clock, they're not finished. And he says, oh, i got to go out and get some more. He goes out and says, would you finish the day for $20? And they simply say, yeah, be glad to. Everything was fine until it came payday, pay time. 
And then those that came in at 8 o'clock said it's not fair because you paid those that came in at 3 o'clock the same amount. Sound familiar in our world today? So Jesus addresses that, and as he addresses that, notice what he says in verse 15. Don't I have the right to do what I want to with my own money? There could be no other answer except yes, of course. If you agreed that I said I want to hire you for something and I, I said here's the money and I paid someone else more, that's only left up to me. You may feel like I cheated you, but if you agreed to it, hello, it's the way it works. Listen to this, and this is important. When you look at others and you focus on the unfairness of life, and there's where our societies really run today, nothing's fair. It's not fair, it's not fair, it's not fair, it's not fair. It's just not fair. You ever hear that before? Sure you have. And you're going to hear a whole lot more before it's all over. But in that process, if you only focus on the unfairness of life, and sometimes life just happens to be unfair, when your focus is only on the unfairness of life, you will never move your spiritual life forward. can't happen. You want to know why? It is because God is always connected to your spiritual growth. And God will not bless a heart that is not humble before Him. Because He's always after the heart. But I promise you, and Scripture does better yet, He promises that if you will find, you will find joy when you find someone to serve. Putting someone above yourself is what pleases God because it emulates what Jesus did for us. Give me an amen. In Mark chapter 9, he told his disciples as he sat down with them, he said, anyone who wants to be first, oh, yes, yes, me, Lord, I want to be first. Can I have a seat on the right or the left? You remember that, don't you? Anyone that wants to be first, who wants to be first? Oh, I want to be first. Notice what he says. Must be the very last and the servant of all. Remember last week I said the person that you know that can, you can count on is the person that says, um, you know, we need to dig a ditch, but I've already dug mine and I'll help you dig yours. Kind of that order. That's what God is saying. I'm not asking you to do anything that I haven't already done. I've already served people, and you're going to have to learn in this process, being serving others, you might have to learn to put up with them. And sometimes it's pretty tough. But remember this, don't think that you're the only one that has to do that. After all, look what Jesus puts up with you. Only one amen? Okay. I know, you're just sweet angels, right? Come on now. Here we go, build up. Number two, build up. You got to build up. In verse number two, it says, each of us, each of us, should please his neighbor for his good. Well, who is my neighbor? He addresses that as well. Who is your neighbor? It's the person next to you, and the next to you, and the next to you. But notice this. He says, for his good, to build him up. The phrase build up is a construction term. It's really important in our lives. God wants to use us as his servants to build people up, construct people. Continue to put into them something that's good, something that will last, something that's eternal. That's what God calls us to do. There are two things that we can do for others in Christ. 
There's two things you can do for others in Christ. You can build them up or you can tear them down. Now, which one do you think pleases God the most? So the next time you want to tear someone down, remember what Christ has done for you. God is committed to building people up, and we should be too. Can I at least get an amen? amen. Are you a demolition man, I write, or a construction man? Demolition doesn't take long. I like to demolish things. Anybody like that? What's that show on the flip-flopper movie show or whatever it is? Gaines? What's the guy's name? Chip. Chip Gaines. He, that dude just loves. Well, he says something there. I don't remember. It's some demolish or demolition. Demo day. That's it. Anybody like demo day? Demo day doesn't take very long. He just starts swinging that big old sledgehammer. And before long, you can make a, man, it looks really, really like you did some work. But you know what takes a lot of work? Is putting it all back together. Humpty Dumpty thing, huh? It's that construction, it's that building back. And yet that's what, see the world, the world is the one that wants to demolish everything. Satan is the one that wants to destroy your life. And we as Christians, we should always remember that God wants us to instruct those, those. He wants us to build others up. I love what Paul says in, to the Thessalonians in 1 Thessalonians 5. He says there, therefore encourage one another, build each other up, just as in fact you are doing did you hear that rah, rah, rah there? What, what was he saying? Is it's being read. He's saying, hey guys, I hear that you guys are encouraging each other. And by the way, keep it up. We get beat up by the world out there in your workplace or whatever it might be. You get beat up by the world. When you come to this place, you ought to be encouraged from the moment you walk through that door. And when we say amen, it shouldn't be, woe is me. It should be, hey, it is great to see you today. Love that you're here with us today. And if someone goes on that negative note because of something that's gone on, how can I help you? Being that serving, servant, build up and put up with people is important in our lives. The third thing is probably the most important one. And this one is look up. When you are dealing with people, you have got to learn to look up. In fact, sometimes that's all you can do is look up. Because if I look at them any longer, I'm not going to be the servant that God wants me to be. Anybody but me, huh? Hey, but when I look to Jesus, I'm like, I'm not mad at you, Jesus, but that person's getting on my nerve. Anybody ever do that? So you got to look up. Verse number three says, for even Christ did not please himself. Talked about that in David's class today. Jesus could have put pop, 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 10,000 angels and wiped them out. He didn't have to pop, pop. He could have just flew off that cross. He could have just said, and it could have been done, but Jesus didn't do that. It says, for even Christ did not please himself, but as it is written, the insults, this is important for you, the insults of those who insult you. Paul knew that they were getting insulted. You will too. We will too. You ever get insulted? You like it? I don't like it either. Watch this. The insults of those who insult you have fallen on me. Why is that important? It's huge. When someone busts your chops, it's an old phrase, but when someone busts your chops, look up and take note, Jesus took that one for me. Jesus already took that one for me. 
I know it's against me, but it's actually against him. And God, I'm so thankful that you took that one too. Because if it wasn't for that, I could do something different here. But I'm thankful that you took that one for me. As we fix our eyes on Jesus, we'll be reminded that again, he did not come to be served, but to serve. And give his life as a ransom for many. Remember that last week? We're kidnapped. We're kidnapped and we're lost. And we would do anything to get our child back. And that's precisely what God did. He sent his son to buy us back a ransom for me. Don't forget that one. If you find yourself only looking for the wrong stuff in life, you'll find it. You know what? Anybody? If you look for the wrong stuff, you will find it. Plenty of it, I'm sure. But you know why the reason you find it? Is because you're looking for it. That's what you're looking for. You're looking for it in the wrong place or you're looking in the wrong place in the wrong direction. You can find food in a trash can. You can. But you need to remember what else is in the trash can. It's important that we remember this. That is why the world is trying to remove Christ. That we won't have any place to go to. That we'll take it all into our own hands. We'll rise up because this is right. And we can say, no, no, I want to. But Christ, you took that one for me too. You did that for us. It's important. They couldn't remove him 2,000 years ago on the cross. They cannot remove him today. And how do I know? Because I know that I know that I know he lives, he lives within my heart and they cannot take that look up to Jesus and remember that he puts up with you and look up to Jesus and remember he puts up with a person that's bugging you too he knows take your eyes off yourself and look up another one that he shares here in his uh, writings uh, that I've talked about on many occasions is this one and I think this one is the the grow up stage. Verse number four. Four and five is very interesting verses. You need to look at it and kind of dissect that too. We did a little bit of that this morning in class. I'll point that out in just a minute. Look at verse four. For everything that was written in the past was written to teach us. Hang on to that one, you teachers. All of us. To teach us. So that through endurance and encouragement. Sherry used that, uh, that word in class today, endurance. Through endurance and encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. If you don't know scriptures, you can't have endurance. You'll give up. You'll give up on people. The scripture that was given to us is to give us endurance that leads us to this hope in our lives. God wants us to know that. This endurance and this encouragement comes through Scripture. And we must learn that as we go through in our lives. The Bible encourages us in this encouraged or in this endurance. The word endurance means to lead through, going through something. You don't get endurance before you start it. 
you get it going through. And so he's saying, I know what you're going through, but the scripture is going to give you the endurance to get through. That's what somebody needs to hear today. You're thinking, man, I'm just ready to give up. I'm ready to throw my hands up. It's not worth it. And you may know somebody that's already done that in their spiritual life. They just said, it's not worth it anymore. Get into God's word and learn how to endure what it is that you're going through because God's promises, he will be with you and he will not neglect you. The Bible encourages us so that we can be filled with hope. When you read God's word, does it fill you with hope? Hope for a better today, a better tomorrow. Hope that something is much better than what I'm going through. Hope. If you don't read God's word, you're just dealing with it on your own. That will lead to discouragement. Hope that others will change. When I read God's word and I see that and I know how God's word can transform lives, I want other people to change. But more importantly, it leads to me changing. Me changing. I realize when I read scripture sometimes, I'll think of someone. You ever do this? You're reading scripture and you're thinking of someone that really needs to hear that. Anybody but me? You ever do that? (laughs) That should be a red flag. (laughs) Because that somebody is not me, you. No, you, me, me, you. What? How's that work? But it's me. I'm the one that needs it. I need it in my life. You see, if you read the Word to discover how other people should change, you miss the first objective. There's no doubt. Which is you. You remember Scripture says, get the beam out of your eye so I can help get the speck out of your eye. If he would have said, get the speck out of your eye so you can get the beam out of your eye. See, what we do is we look at people with the beams in their eye. That's a little speck in mine. I'm pretty good. Anybody? So Jesus knew that. And so he just says, no, get the beam out of your eye and then you can get the speck out of her eye. How you doing with that one? I will be honest with you today. I don't do really good with that one sometimes. I think some people walk around with two beams in their eyes. You know what I'm saying? Anybody else? We all know people that, for whatever reason, they refuse to grow up. Anybody know somebody that refused to grow up? Somebody's poking somebody right now. When Donna and I were in high school, there was this guy that, um, he had graduated several years before we had. And our building was a big three or four story building, whatever, and a lot of our classes was up. Anyway, this, this dude would... Three or four years now removed from school. He would drive his like 68 Camaro, you know, with a Saturday night live look or whatever. And he would drive around our perimeters there at the school. He just couldn't let go. Now all of us in our class thought, man, that guy's weird. And he was. We all said he needs to grow up. Well, the truth is, some Christians just cruise the parking lot at the church. They refuse to grow up spiritually. They have no intention of growing up spiritually. Oh, they come to church, but haven't really put in any effort to grow spiritually. Now listen, I believe you're saved, just like I am saved. 
But I will tell you that you're missing out if you're not longing to grow spiritually in the Lord. There are blessings waiting for you if you will learn to grow in the Lord. The way you do that is you get into God's Word. You read it. There's no excuse, not one excuse for not reading God's Word in our world today. You'll get an app that will tell you, and it'll even read it for you out loud on your way to work or wherever. Let that Word bathe you every day. Just a little bit. Just five minutes. There's no excuse for not reading and getting into God's Word. The only excuse that I would say that is, is that I do not want to grow spiritually. How do I know that? It's because Scripture says it's like a double-edged sword. It, It does its work going in and coming out. And when I'm in the Word, it changes me. I'm reminded when it's so easy for me, I've got 50 Bibles probably in my office. I've got one on my app that I look at every day and I read through that one. And I, I'm, because we become so accustomed to this, just right there before us. But I'm reminded when we were in Africa and handing out Bibles and people literally would stand in line eight hours in the hot sun to get a Bible to take back to their little village. When we would go and speak, Marvin and I would speak, and uh, it was just a, I mean, a humbling experience. I mean, just take away, just unbelievable. But I remember on the, the one place we went to, and, and I remember that there were two translators. I would speak, this guy would speak, and then he would speak in their tongue. And so it was a two-hour message. No, I'm just a, but anyway, through that process. But I remember the Lord's table, or we had, they had a table up front. And they had this big, somebody had given them one of these big family Bibles. And after service, it was amazing to watch some people approach that just to touch God's holy word. They were almost afraid to even turn the page. And they thought, wow, holy ground, I'm standing on holy ground. God's word grows us up. Do you want to grow up? Number five, and this one's important, it's to stand up. I really worked on this one this week, and I know it's not going to help much for you, but I'm going to try. In verse number five, it almost repeats verse number four, but it reminds us in the midst of it where it comes from. Remember the encouragement and the endurance that's given through the scripture? Watch this. It comes from, now watch what it says, may the God who gives endurance and encouragement give you a spirit of unity among yourselves as you follow Christ Jesus. Notice who gives the endurance. God does. It's as though it's, a, 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 it's an underlying, not, not necessarily a secret, but a code for those of us that are Christians that read it. It's as though God is saying, listen to me. 
I am going to give you the endurance to get through whatever you're going through. What are you going through today? Is it, is it financial? Is it physical? Is it, what is it? Spirit, what is it that you're going through? If you were to say, hey, I'm going to list three things that I'm going through. Family matters. Whatever it happens to be, just list it. I want you to know today that God is saying right now, this very moment, He's saying, I am giving you, listen to me, He's saying. Listen to what I'm telling you, He's saying. I give you the endurance and the encouragement to get through what you're going through right now. That's the best thing I can tell you today. Because see, at the end of the service, I can say, well, good luck with that. Hope things go better for you. But what I can tell you for sure that God knows exactly what's going on and God is saying, I'm going to give you the endurance and the encouragement. And what He wants from us is for us to believe it. For us to believe that He will give us the endurance to go through this in our life. And He will. There is no doubt. He is the one supplying the endurance. He is the one supplying the, the, the staying power to get through. But the last part of that verse is saying, God's heart is for the church to be united and to stand together. I love that. That is not saying that we must be in agreement of our traditions and our preferences because we all have them. And they're all wonderful to you. It is actually saying that our unity with each other, as he mentions, it's the following Jesus Christ. Our unity with others is not our preferences. It's not, it's not those traditions and however beautiful they are, have them all. But there's not one mention that if you put a stained glass window, it unites you. But if you follow Jesus, it'll unite you every time. Isn't God a good, good God? I don't know about you, but I've made mistakes of allowing my first impression of people to keep me at a distance. You ever do that? You know, you say you can't make another first impression. It's probably true, but you, you, you ever do that? Just hold people off a little bit. But when I finally would get to know some people, and some of them are you, I found out, hey, I'm really thankful God gave me the endurance to put up with you. <laughs> because we've become good friends. We're family. Let me tell you this quick story. Um, Melissa Hitt's uh, grandfather, actually. It's about him. Paul Williams. If you were here for many years now, you probably knew Paul. He's gone to be with the Lord, love the family, and they know that. I've done the service for uh, many in their family, uh, funeral services for them. Paul Williams was a character, and I say that with great respect. He loved the Lord, and he, he, he just tell you. Well, when I first got here, he wanted to make sure, this is 26 years, when we first got here, Paul wanted to make sure that I knew that he didn't vote for me. He was always nice to me, but I didn't vote for you. Okay. Well, one day, long story short, one day we were at a restaurant here in town, and we were with a family, a bunch of people at church, and this family was there, and we were all there, and we got finished. Paul started choking. 
And it was bad, real bad. He was turning every shade of color you could get before you pass out. Everybody's beating him on the back, and everybody's trying to do something. And so I slipped up and did the Harley maneuver, you know? <laughs> Came out. Took that big, deep breath. Man, he gave me the biggest hug. It was great. And we were good friends before that, but that seemed to kind of turn the page, you know what I'm saying? And uh, so anyway, I remember him years later. Uh, sometime later, anyway, maybe not years, but years, uh, time later, I remember standing right about, about halfway back, and he said, come over here. He had this neck, you know, he was like, yes, Paul was a great guy. And he said, I want to tell you something. I said, what's that, Paul? He said, I'm really glad people didn't listen to me. <laughs> Sometimes we simply need to get to know people before we know them before we let them irritate us too much. Years ago, there was a 10-year-old boy climbed up on a stool in a soda shop years ago. As he's sitting there, the waitress finally walks by the counter there. and He says, excuse me, ma'am, could you tell me how much a Sunday would cost me? She barks out, 50 cents. Little boy reaches in his pocket and he's counting up the money on the countertop. And one, two, three, seven, fourteen, twenty-one. She gets a little frustrated with him. She goes on about her business. A few minutes later, she walks back by and she says, or he said, Ma'am, could you tell me how much just a plain ice cream would cost me? Thirty-five cents, she said. He begins to count out his money again. She walks off. A few minutes later, she comes back. He said, I'll just take a plain ice cream, please. She brings it to him. He gives her the 35 cents. About 10 minutes later, the little boy slipped off the stool and on his way. The waitress came back to clear his little spot. She got a lump in her throat. For there on the counter, the boy had left two nickels and five pennies. Enough to buy him that Sunday but he sacrificed it so that she could have a tip I would just say this morning as we leave here God had more than enough without us he could have just simply said I'm done but he didn't he gave his son as we know and Jesus came and he willingly went to a cross and lay down on that cross and allowed my sin and your sin, the sin of the world, to be nailed to him. And he died in our place. Because he cared about us. I think the least thing we can do is to love the rest of the family as he has instructed us to do. Maybe today God's stirring in your spirit. Maybe you want to grow up more spiritually. Maybe today you've been dealing with something in your life. It's hurting you. We're here to encourage you. We're here to tell you that God will give you the endurance to get through it. That scripture reminds us over and over again that God will never forsake you nor leave you. And we're here to remind you today that God loves you and we love you.
we'll pray for you in whatever capacity that you need today. Maybe today is your day to be baptized. Maybe today is your day to accept Christ as your Lord and Savior. Don't hesitate. Don't wait. For He did that just for you. The ultimate sacrifice so you and I could be family. Come together as we stand and sing.